I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. DeAndre Jordan has it stolen by Hardaway. And Tim Hardaway throws it down. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. The winning wonder, the one more thinking, the grammar great one. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? (laughs) That was a good one. Oh, I have another Mavs win to hand out. And not only are the Mavericks back to being 500. Did you just say you have a win to hand out? Yeah. You're going to hand, you get to hand out the wins. (laughs) Yes. I'm handing out the, how do your analytics decide who wins a game, Isaac? (laughs) Uh, I need to work on my grammar tonight, guys. Um, (laughs) But just be nice on Twitter, everybody. Don't be idiots. (laughs) I'm just going to start trying to dunk on people on Twitter. So it's not not worth it. No, it's not. It's never worth it. Well, to some people it is. Some people's fun to follow. If you're good, if you're good at, you have to be real good at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But anyway, the Mavericks they started the season eight and thirteen, and with everything that went on for them, we know all the reasons. We've went over them a million times. But since that moment, they've went eight and three over the last eleven games. They have two more left before the All-Star break against Orlando and OKC. Very, very winnable games. I mean, there's a decent chance. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but there's a decent chance the Mavericks could go into the All-Star break with a winning record. And Gasp. Yes. And that that's pretty, uh, pretty surprising considering everything that went on at the beginning of the season. On today's show, your weekend bonus edition, post-game pod, Lockdown Maps. We are going to break down the Mavericks. What is the final score even? 115 to 98 win over the abridged version of the Brooklyn Nets. Like shrug Brooklyn Nets, right? I'm not getting too excited about this win. If Kyrie had even played, I would be a little bit more excited about this win. But Mavericks took care of business against basically uh, the w- worst version of the Rockets like a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, You know what I mean? Like... Uh, the worst version of the Rockets this year, I guess. I was saying, we texted and you said something about the Wizards, you know, and I guess compared to Brad Beal. No, that's I, I think this team's worse than the Wizards. This team, okay, the team that the Mavericks played tonight. So this Brooklyn team, they started Harden, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Luau Cabrero, Bruce Brown. They have DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench, Landry Shamet off the bench, Andre Robertson played a bunch of minutes tonight, twenty minutes for him. Uh, Nick Claxton, Chioza playing like this is the Wizards from last year this team and maybe even this year without Westbrook <laughs> that, that's the yes. level like Beal is Harden right and the rest of this team just kind uh Joe Harris is Davis Bertans and just everything else fills in around it but yeah not a very not a very talented team that the Mavericks played tonight at least they're this Brooklyn team is real thin especially obviously they're without Kyrie Irving and uh Kevin Durant and they're without a couple other random guys too weren't they um well, but, Dinwiddie's still out, obviously. So. Uh, yeah, I, I always forget that Dinwiddie's still on this team. Um, yeah, D- uh, Tyler Johnson, I guess another player was out for them. That doesn't matter that much. But Mavs still get the win. They, I think this is a take-care-of-business game, right? They had, Mavs were healthy. They had all their guys. 
Nobody was out for the Mavs. And so they take care of business. They uh, t- 27 points for Lucas, six boards, seven assists. He was really, really good in this one. Um, Porzingis was back. Uh, his back was less tight. His back was loose. He was back. He was playing. Uh, 18 points for him. Only four boards, but three blocks. He The story of the game, I think, was Porzingis' defense. Like, Porzingis... We're not on video. You can make you can make faces. <laughs> <laughs> the story of the game was Porzingis's defense because uh, Carlisle mentioned it after the game. I thought it looked a lot better. This is Porzingis's first game back since Valentine's Day, like almost two weeks. He hasn't, he hasn't really played uh, because he's been out with back tightness. They had the storms that that postponed that whole week, and so he's missed a bunch of games or a bunch a bunch of time, but not necessarily a bunch of games here, and. Um, this is his first time back after having all those practices. And so I think that is something that, that really, really helped. And they looked more cohesive. They obviously played a team that wasn't as good offensively as the Brooklyn Nets normally are. Uh, and it definitely helped that they played against a team that's really bad defensively because on offense, the Mavericks here will take advantage. But I thought Porzingis' defense and the fact that Carlisle even mentioned specifically he was getting down in his stance more. That was very much, that was very apparent after the game and during the game. That the, the, Porzingis was getting into his stance more, and he was defending better. He was moving better, and I just thought that that was the the, the best sign that I saw of this game because we can talk about all the reasons why that's important, but uh, that was the thing I saw. Yeah, I mean, Rick opened up his whole media you know session saying, "Hey, I'm gonna with his this. monologue. <laughs> I'm gonna answer this from the very beginning," and <laughs> he just praised KP for like two or three minutes and said it's the best defense he's played all season. And just like you said about him being in his stance, he had what he finished the night with at least three blocks, three uh, blocks. But he yeah, also like he also when, when he's playing it really good defense and he's down in his stance like that Dorian Finney Smith block on Harden happens because Porzingis stepped up and played good defense in the pick and roll. Right. That block doesn't happen unless unless Porzingis is is fronting James Harden and stepping up to him and standing you know, in his way, basically, and uh, giving Dorian enough time to re- to recover on that. So, yeah, he gets credit for three blocks, but it's it, it's probably a lot more like alterations and stuff. And that's what a good defensive center can do. That's what Rudy Gobert does. That's what you know Tyson Chandler used to do for the Mavericks. Like he may not have gotten a bunch of blocks, but he got credit for, uh, or he should get credit for a lot more alterations and, and stuff at the rim. Yeah, for sure. I thought he impacted. Um, I thought he played, you know, there was a play in the first quarter in which he didn't help on a cut. And uh, I think it was Maxi or Dorian kind of said something to him. It was like, it, it, he should have helped on that. And I, it was very early in the game. And I was like, dang, here we go. And, but beyond that point, I thought he did great. I thought he did great protecting the paint. I thought he moved better. Um, yeah. And the Mavericks were. I don't want this to come across as like, hey, they're because when you have a superstar like, you know, when you have a star, you got to w- watch out how we say, um, <laughs> classify this right now. <laughs> uh, we said superstar the other day and guy came at us. But when you have a, a star like this that you, you know, is under a max contract, you want to put him in positions to succeed. And you could tell Dallas was going, you know, out of their way a little bit. Um, and I say out of their way because whenever, yeah, that's just a whole – I don't want to go down there. I was going to say the whole, like, the offense looks different whenever KP's not in there at times because then there's also times where they want to get the ball to KP and say, hey, go to work, especially against a team like Brooklyn tonight who didn't start a center. You know, is it – like, what do you 
What are you thinking whenever we go against a team? I actually wrote this in my notes. This is my first thing on my uh, on my notes. Was what are you thinking when you go against a team who has a center on their roster? In DeAndre Jordan, they even have a guy that's six ten, six eleven, Nick Claxton too. But they they don't start a big against KP. Are you saying okay they're not scared of KP? Are you saying okay that's just the you know well, the offense they want to do or? I just want, and I wonder how what KP's thinking whenever a team does that too, and elects to do that. Yeah, it's it's this whole conversation we've had, and they probably watched some film on him and watched Porzingis and have said, "Man, he's really not taking advantage of these mismatches in the post." And so let's just start Jeff Green and get some spacing and get our offense going. And I mean, we all know DeAndre Jordan, right? Like DeAndre Jordan is not really changing too much for for the you know for the team. And then if you put DeAndre Jordan out there, KP's just gonna pop, you know pick and pop to death, and they're just gonna open up the lane. So you put Jeff Green out there, a little bit more of a mobile guy, and you can switch a whole bunch of stuff. And they're gonna just live with the KP post ups. And usually that's okay, but he was able to take advantage of a couple of those in this game and make them pay for it. But he hasn't been doing that this year, and so. That's, I think, the, the big thing that you look at, you know, this game, I guess. They also, I don't know. Yeah, they, they, when you say they, like, the Mavericks went out of their way, they definitely, they definitely fed Porzingis a lot in this game. They, which is okay to an which, extent. Yeah. Which t- t- was taking advantage of the mismatches, which is good, yes. right? It just seemed like it was very much, you know, a thing to, to set him up and to get him the ball and to, put him in situations where he can succeed, which, you know, it's part of the game with Porzingis. He can't set up his own offense. So you have to set up, up for him. But when you say get at, like go out of their way, it takes the ball out of Luka's hands and puts it in KP's, right, on the, on the block. And then he's he's taking advantage. He only he, – what did he – he was 0 of 2 from 3. So he didn't take a bunch of threes. He wasn't picking and popping very much at all in this game. But he was he – was, he rolled a little bit, and he just kind of set up shop. <laughs> and so the Mavericks did. Uh, set him up, and I think it's it's good, especially against a team like this. You want to set him up, and you want to to give him some a taste of success, and so hopefully that confidence carries over to a team where they actually need him to to play well. Because they didn't, I don't know if they necessarily needed him to play as well as he did tonight against this team, but it definitely helped. No, well, I mean, as soon as we saw that Kyrie was going to be out, we knew KD was going to be out. As soon as we saw the Kyrie news, you're like, all right, we know KP's playing. Let's let's let this game be the KP, you know, not only comes back, but KP gets back on track, you know, game. And, you know, he's wanted it, you know, he's wanted to get back out there. And, you know, there's been so much stuff over the past, you know, week or so. And for him to get out there and knock some shots down, you know, he was frustrated at times when he didn't get the ball. Yeah. We'll Uh, get into that. Yeah. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. He's, but this, you know, goes into who KP is, right? We've talked about this before. When he talks to the media, when he talks to anybody, he's very open and he's very open with his expressions at times and stuff too. So um, I think that's just a guy who's wanting to get back to where he used to be. And we've heard him talk about it defensively and how, how much of it's mental. How many times have we heard him describe it you know, the mental side of playing defense. He's like, man, I want to, like, it's in my brain. I'm going to do this. And, but then I'm like a split yes. second behind my body's like catching up to my brain. He wants it so bad. So, uh, yeah, he's just really, really passionate about that right now. Coming up, I'm going to tell you something I'm passionate about. And that is, uh, Porzingis. <laughs> Porzingis playing better. The Mavericks, the Mavericks setting up Porzingis. We'll get into some more of that coming up. 
All right, Isaac. So, Kristaps Porzingis back in the game. It felt like he was he was getting his mojo back a little bit. 7 of 13 from the field. Didn't hit any threes, but he was hitting some of his jumpers. The Mavericks were trying to set him up. We were talking about that a little bit. His defense was super important. Uh, I, I think we talked enough about Kristaps Porzingis. Um, well, I mean, 18 points with no threes. I mean, this was the thing that it's important. when he first came back after, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was, okay, is he just going to chuck threes the whole time? And to get 18 points with no threes tonight, you know, even Luca after the game, he said he felt like he was, you know, comfortable. He felt like KP uh, w- was comfortable. And, you know, that was the that was the whole thing with that. So I think, um, yeah, I think he had – I think he – he felt more comfortable tonight, but now we got to see what it looks like on the next two games. And I think, I mean, it's a huge moment for him, right? I mean, if they they win this, they win this game against you know the Nets, they go into this uh, a game against the Magic and then OKC game. If he could finish off the All Star, you know, this two game stretch before the All Star break, it'll be huge. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. It'll be great for his confidence. Like if they win both these games and he has pretty good games in the next two, that'd be awesome for his confidence. And that is only that only makes the Mavs better. Actually, this is why I wanted to bring up Porzingis again. So after the Sixers game, where Kristaps Porzingis didn't play and the Mavericks got destroyed, everyone was saying, "Well, what's the fix for the center situation? What's the fix for the center situation? If you guys hate Drummond so much, then what's the fix?" Which, by the way, we're gonna talk about Andre Drummond on Monday with guys that have actually watched him. So what's the fix then? How do we fix the centers? Do, you know, Dwight and Willie Colley-Stein just aren't doing it. The fix is Porzingis. The fix is Porzingis playing defense like this, right? That's the fix for this team because even if you bring in a Drummond, even if you brought in like a Steven Adams who we think is a better player, right? Even if you bring in somebody like that or, you know, an Al Horford or somebody like that, the most ideal lineup, maybe not Al Horford, but the most ideal lineup would still be Porzingis at the five. Yes. Right? That's still the best lineup for this Mavericks team. If they if they brought in another traditional good center, an upgrade even over Dwight, Willie Colley Stein, and, and them, right? And so <laughs> that I'm center looking at, I'm looking at Willie's minutes right now. He plays 16 minutes tonight. Yeah, let's go get Andre Drummond to play 16 minutes. That's the thing, right? Like you bring in a guy like that and poor, but playing Porzingis and Porzingis improving and playing that good was sarcasm, defense. sarcasm, by the way, guys. Playing good, playing good defense is the fix. That's the solution, and it's not a great one that fans want to hear because it's not a go change the roster and then make a fix. But the Mavericks play their best when Porzingis is at the five, and it's and as long as Porzingis is on this team, that's going to be the case. But what about the rebounding? Last year, the Mavericks were a top five rebounding team in the league with Porzingis playing some five and Dwight Powell playing five next to him too, right? Porzingis gets back and gets back to his mojo. Him and Luka rebound. You have Josh Richardson that can rebound. You have Dorian that can rebound. Maxi is out there that can rebound. Like this team, you, you can. Oh, can Dorian Finney-Smith rebound? Yes, he We'll get can. into Dorian for sure. But the, the fix still is Porzingis playing like this, like he played tonight. And he can't. He, he's not always going to be playing against a team with James Harden and nobody else, right? Like that's not always going to be the case, but that's the fix, I think. That's the solution, uh, the easy one. That's not a personnel change. Do, do the Mavericks need to upgrade the Willie Colley-Stein, Dwight Powell spot? Yes, we've been saying that for a long time. It just depends on who's available and how to get them because the price tag has either been too big for a backup center that's going to get DMP CDs sometimes, right? <laughs> or they're just not available. So... That's the other the other problem with getting a Drummond type is 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 he going to be okay with DMP CDs some nights right like Dwight Powell I can't spend any more of my energy on Andre Drummond I know I know but then and Dwight Powell played five minutes only in in garbage time that's going to be 
a, a, the traditional center if they bring one in sometimes because some nights they won't need him. Anyway, yeah. all right, let's get in Dorian because I thought Dorian was awesome. Dorian yeah. won the defensive player of the game belt. 12 points, eight boards, three of them on the offensive end, four assists, two steals, and a block. That block was an insane block on James mm. Harden where he was stuck in a pick and roll. Dorian said, Hashtag <laughs> NBA top shot that. Dorian said in his post game, he said, I think I got screened on every single possession in this game. <laughs> And so he gets screened and screened again, but he recovers off of the screen because Porzingis gives like steps up to Harden and defends him really well, stays in front of him, is mobile, and gives him enough time to come back. And Dorian just swats the mess out of this ball, and it leads to a Tim Hardaway Jr. fast break, and they score, and then the, the Nets have to call timeout. Like it's those momentum changing things that Dorian can do, those offensive rebounds. It's he, he does important things. Two of three from three, that's all you want. That's all you need from yeah. him, right? Just hit a couple threes, spread the floor a little bit. He's that guy that is going to be left open if the if the, the lineup is the starting lineup, which was Luca, Richardson, KP, Maxi, and Dorian. He's going to be the guy left open. Hit a couple threes, make the defense honest, and it opens up so much. His honesty after the game, uh, talking to the media, whenever they asked him, uh, somebody asked him about getting the defensive play of the game belt, He's like, well, I mean, sheesh, James had 29, so I don't know. He was like laughing at himself that he got this defensive player of the game award, basically, uh, when the guy that <laughs> he was guarding had 29. But I think that speaks you know, to the volume of who James Harden is, that you held him to under 30 points. And specifically, you held him to that whenever he had 25 in the first half. And I mean, he took 21 shots. I mean, he got a bunch of shots up too. Like that's not super efficient for James Harden. And Dorian always gets the Harden assignment. I mean, for the past you know few years, Dorian's gotten that assignment and he's been up for that. And this is Dorian's role in the team. This is, as Tim Hardaway said, uh, I think our friend uh, Kevin Gray asked uh, Tim after the game uh, about just Dorian's, uh, you know, big game. And Tim said, that's what Dodo does. And that is that that's that's Dodo's team, you know, rolling the on this team. And he was up for the challenge tonight, even though I mean James James Harden's gonna score on anybody. But when when Dorian gives you that, you know, a couple threes here and there, and you know, the offensive rebound, I you know I joke about this all the time on Twitter and I, I tweet I tweet about it, but those are extra possessions. I mean, those are huge possessions. And you know, that one tonight's where he came flying in, slapped it off the backboard, got it, just went straight up with the two hand dunk. That's huge. And if if he's not scoring on all those offensive boards, sometimes it results in another three for somebody like KP or whoever. So, yeah, I, I love what, what Dorian brings for this team. And tonight, um, you know, I, I don't think he would agree that it was, you know, the best game of his career. And I don't think I would say that either. But uh, it was definitely a top 10 game of his career, I think. Yeah, it was a really, really good game for Dorian. Great stuff from him. Uh, coming up, let's get into it. Let's talk about Luca a little bit. We haven't really got into him too much. And then uh, the bench. I thought the bench was was pretty good for, for the Mavericks in this one. The Brunson, Hardaway with KP on the floor. I thought that was a good lineup. We can talk about that and get into what the Mavs have to look forward to coming up. All right, Isaac. So the bench, Jalen Brunson, 14 points and a couple steals. Tim Hardaway Jr., 13 points. The guys, you know, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Jalen went 6 of 11, but Tim Hardaway 4 of 12. But they brought some energy in and play off the bench. I think that kind, that lineup with those two guys and KP, that's a bench unit that can work. And that's a bench unit that is pretty great, I think. When there's the one shift, I think it was in the second quarter, that had Brunson and Burke 
and it de- that did not work. That, that lineup was was really really rough. That um, and and Willie Colley Stein was the center, and I think it was Maxi and Josh Richardson. That was like Carlisle was just trying some stuff, and that that lineup did not work. the The water bugs are dead, guys. Yeah. They're not gonna play together. It, just, it was cute while it lasted, but um, that's just and it didn't last very long. Because uh, the, the, and the reason why it doesn't work is they're just getting screened all over the place. Dor- like Dorian said, he was getting screened every play, and they just get screened all over the perimeter. And when you have Willie Colley Stein out there, he's not going to be able to step up and defend in space well enough to recover if somebody blows by him or to just even defend somebody out there. And so they get stuck on the screens, and then all of a sudden you have, you know. Joe Harris or uh, Bruce Brown even, or, or somebody like Landry Shamit pulling up from three or pulling up from a long two because they have so much space in front of them because Willie Colley-Stein has dropped because he has to drop because he can't, you know, step up and recover well enough. So, yeah, those guys, they just screen. They, they, the water bugs just get screened to death. And the water bugs are uh, Josh Richardson's name for Brunson and Burke, and that it just doesn't work. Even against this team that, that didn't even have their full complement of, of players. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know Lucas said this after the game uh, to, I guess, I know, it was ESPN or to Rachel Nichols. Yeah, yeah, she said it to Rachel Nichols after the game that he he said know, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said it that it was a you know this was you know a team win tonight that they played like a team, and you look across the board, you look at the scoring in this game, you know, six players in, in double figures, you know, not just KP, you know, Luke at twenty seven, obviously KP at eighteen, but then having Dorian at 12 and Josh at 11 and Tim at 13 and Brunson 14. I mean, this, this is big time, man. I mean, I mean, how many of these box scores did we talk about during the COVID outbreak on the team that it was Luca with like 33 and then, you know, whoever it was that had, I don't even know who to say Trey Burke or Wes James jo- <laughs> no, I don't think he got to that point. I, James Johnson had like, you know, 15 points. And that was like your next yes. leading score. And you're like, what? And you know, our whole thing was like, can somebody else get the 20? Is that, you know, possible? So when they have balanced scoring like this, it's huge. And now it's just a matter of, can you get KP going and on the same page? And I know we alluded to it earlier. We didn't talk about, we haven't talked about it much, but just the KP Luca dynamic. And, you know, when Jeff Van Gundy, you know, mentioned it on the broadcast of, you know, KP, you know, I think he like kicked a chair and he was mad and he wanted the ball. Luca didn't give him the ball. And that's just, you know, that's when you have a star who's wanting, you know, wanting the ball and he's wanting to get back in his groove and you have a, a guy like Luka Doncic that's going to shoot basketball too. So, I mean, it's, they're still, I think it's a testament that they're still trying to iron out those wrinkles too of, Hey, we got to play more together. This is what I wanted to get into at the very end. So, Chris Porzingis, a couple times in this game, Jeff Van Gunny even mentioned it on the broadcast. He he was there, so he can see a little bit more than we could. Um, at the end of the second quarter, Luca looked off Porzingis for a pick and roll. KP got a little mad, and Luca went. Luca actually went and scored on the play, but KP still got a, got mad and went back, and then he just launched like a forty oh. foot three like, from like everybody deep in, in the, the world knew what that shot was. Yes. Everybody, everybody on the bench, everybody who was on the court. Everybody watching the game, me and you knew what it was. Like everyone knew what that shot was collectively. That was the I want the dang basketball. Give me the ball and let me shoot a shot. And because yeah, that whole play and I I was like, "Wow. Okay. That's that's a statement. That was a shot that spoke volumes, I thought at the time." 
And the fact that he was frustrated, and there's a couple other times in the game. We we you know we're texting about a, a play in the fourth quarter or in the in late in the third quarter where KP was was looked off and and Luca uh, kicked over to the the right wing instead of right behind him. KP was wide open at the top of the key for a three, and Luca kicked to the to his right instead of behind him because I don't think he could see behind him at that point. Like he didn't get a full vision of the court, and so he kicked it to Dorian, got deflected out of bounds, and Porzingis kind of like threw his hands up and turned around, and he was out of frame after that. But he was frustrated, and it's stuff like that that we're just going to put a magnifying glass on now, right? Like after all yeah. this stuff with him being out and with the the trade rumors and all that, like all that stuff is just going to get turned up to 11. As I far mean, as- the guy can't even lay out in the sun in Dallas and everybody's <laughs> freaking out about it. Well, and I think there's good reason to. We've we've seen him do this before. We've seen him do this in New York. And if he's gonna if he's frustrated with his role, he's talked a lot about wanting specific things and wanting to play more in the first quarter and all that, and wanting to change his role. And so now we're watching him really closely to see how he responds to certain things. And uh, we've seen a player get frustrated that Luca has the ball all the time, that he doesn't get the ball in Dennis. Right? We've seen Dennis try to angle to angle his way out which led to Porzingis so well there are two different spots in their career 100 percent very different but we've seen it happen before and it's not surprising that a player that thinks he's a superstar player would come in and be jealous of Luca like this dude gets compared to Larry Bird on a nightly basis right everybody's throwing accolades at him and he's Luca's answer to that Larry Bird thing was amazing it was great um and so yeah Porzingis responding that way and being frustrated, apparently he kicked a chair. I didn't see it. I, I look, tried to look back through all the, the footage, and I didn't see it. But um, that was that was said on the broadcast. That stuff is important to watch now and to see what happens with Porzingis and to see how the team responds to him. It seems like the team, like the players, are collectively all in Porzingis's you know, all all backing Porzingis and wanting to to support him and encourage him. Dorian was encouraging afterwards. Tim Hardaway was encouraging afterwards. Luca. Has, you because know, they know, like we know, yep. this team's ceiling rests on KP's shoulders. Like Luke is amazing, but for them to have a shot at making any deep playoff run, right as currently constructed, it's going to mean KP playing at the top of his game, and that's what makes this team their ceiling higher than you know what it's been over the past few years. And so they know it, we know it as fans and media and whoever. Like a lot of this is on KP. Right and some of this stuff, and I, I kind of was thinking of asking Carlisle this. I don't think he would have given me a straight answer, but some of this stuff is normal basketball stuff, right? Where you're frustrated. Ah, I was open like that. That play in the third quarter, he was wide open. He he had KP had the best angle at a shot, and Luca missed him, and he should have gotten it to him. So I can understand being frustrated about that, but to be frustrated about not getting the ball in the spot that you want when someone else had a better shot, right? Like that, that sort of stuff seems like it's a little bit more than just a basketball frustration. And so going forward, that's the stuff we're going to look, look way deep into and read way deep into and see what happens until they either trade him or, you know, the trade deadline passes. And then we're like, all right, let's just see what happens with this. Saying, this how is going to be on together. the magnifying glass will be out until March 26th. Or until they win the title. <laughs> I mean, we're I mean, still going to think about it. We'll think about it, but it's not going to be as, you know. The maps yeah. can't do anything about it at that point. Exactly. So the magnifying glass will will be out until the trade deadline. No matter how much they deny it, though, it will be out examining every move. And then once the deadline passes, if he's still on the Mavericks, then 
it will just be put up, right? And we'll see what happens with the you know playoffs come around, how far they make it in the playoffs, and then people might bring the magnifying glass back out. We'll we'll see uh, how it unfolds. And it might change. Like Porzingis' opinion, it, whatever it is right now, it might change by then, right? Like, <laughs> you know, we've, we've seen him kind of have up and down moments, and if he's playing well, usually he's fine with everything. But if he's struggling or if he's been out with injury, he comes back and he wants to prove himself, then he's going to be a little bit more testy, I guess. So... Yeah, that was the last thing I want to get to today. Anything else from this game you want to bring up? Oh, the Mavericks are are eight and four since Maxi has returned from COVID and everybody. So that's wow. I think that's important. Um, not really, not from this game. It was just, you know, I think I would have been more. I walked out of this game saying, okay, this is what they were supposed to do. I, if they would have lost this game or even like won it by like one point, I would have been like, oh dang, like. Okay, this team is not very good. That Brooklyn team without all those guys. So well, I we've been looking yeah. from we've been looking for confirmation that the Mavericks are a good team, right? Like, can the Mavericks be a good team, or are they the struggling team that we've seen at the beginning of the season? And we know that they can be a good team. They were last year, and it's essentially the same team. And so this is just another game confirmation to say, all right, yeah, this is a good team, and this team is going to turn it around, and hopefully, this is the start of something new. Feels so right. To they, be here with as, you at sixteen and sixteen, with and two now games left. as we're five hundred, I feel in my heart. Did you see that guy who this tweeted us a today? a playoff team to our what? friend uh, Jared Sandler and said these guys are. He said something along the Shout lines. Shout out to Jared, to Jared Sandler. Yeah, he said that we do good work, which yes, we appreciate. But that. So, somebody responded to Jared and said, "Yeah." Reason I love these guys, they're like they're dorky and something else. And I'm like, it was like informative, entertaining, and dorky or something like that. That was, was great. Like, oh, thank you for that. Uh, the Mavericks are sixteen and sixteen, five hundred, sitting at ninth in the Western Conference. They are a game and a half behind Denver for eighth. Uh, they are two games a game back. and a half, a game and a half out from yeah. playoff spot from a they're legit two playoff. games back from Golden State for seventh, and they're two and a half games back from the Spurs, who are sitting. Uh, at fifth, that's where they want to be. That's out of the play in. Get out of the play in. Right? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're two and a half back from the Spurs for the fifth spot. The fifth spot. Okay. In the West, they play Orlando coming up. Then they play OKC. The very first game coming out of the All Star break is San Antonio. I mean, these are winnable games over the next two or three games. If they, you know, go on and win a couple games here, I mean, we're looking at a Mavericks team who's sitting at six or fifth in the Western conference and suddenly everyone's tweets freaking out, you know, a month ago are like, Oh dang. Like some people are jumped off ship and you know, or we're like, Hey, I'm done. They're trying to climb back on board. Oh, you mean we were right to be patient? We don't have time, Nick. There you go, guys. We will be back with another show on Monday. We're going to talk about Andre Drummond with <coughs> locked on Cavs and locked on nice cough, locked on Cavs and locked on Pistons hosts. <laughs> to uh, to discuss that because it is an option for the Mavs should they get into it. We, we'll talk about that with them on Monday. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Boom. You know, Luca, one of Larry Bird's old teammates, Cedric Maxwell, has been calling you Larry Bird reincarnated. And your coach, who also was a teammate of Larry Bird, told us this morning that he does see the resemblance. Have you looked at old film of Larry Bird? Do you see the similarities yourself? 
I mean, yeah, I looked at it. I look. Uh, I, I saw a lot of films how he how he played, but you know, you can't compare me to Larry Bird. You know, the thing he's done is just way, way. Uh, I mean, more and more games to go, a long time, so you can't compare me to Larry Bird. And you know, you, I just want to keep hooping, uh, having fun out there playing basketball.